Look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More than money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmel. I'm my co-host here, Dave Popovich. How you doing, buddy? I'm great, Faisal. Looking at uh, the two of us, we probably know nothing about the health industry, <laughs> nothing about nutrition. Yeah. Um, Skip the dishes is my favorite nutrition advisor. Well, it doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't have to be nutritious. There's nothing on Skip the dishes that's nutritious. Fair you enough. know that. Yeah. You, you can't know. order from McDonald's every night. Really? No. Okay, well, we're going to find out if we... If <laughs> they did right that movie right. already. That's right. <laughs> well, it's going to be a good session because we're going to talk about nutrition. We're going to talk about health as, as you age. Um, food becomes more and more of a, a topic. Um, what foods help in regards to disease? What foods to stay away from as we age? Um, how, people want to live longer, healthier lives. What's the secret to that? There's a whole bunch of... I call them fad diets out there. Yeah. Um, have you tried any of those? No, no. I just, I'm on these, you know, I eat everything diet. and then Seafood diet. Seafood Whatever diet. Whatever food you see, yeah. you eat. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's interesting. So this is a topic, Faisal, that, um, and I want to encourage everybody that's listening, actually, where we get the ideas for the community sessions is from your feedback. Yeah. Right? So this is a topic that um, come has come up, and we've got lots of requests for it. And it's a bit of the, you know, we talk about all the time, Can you can you actually work out, to reduce weight as you get older, right? Is there enough effort you can put in and working out? I know working out is an important part of it, but can you actually lose weight with that? And there's some myths and some truths and all these kinds of things. So we had, we actually had lots of requests to um, to get somebody on to help us understand some of these different diets and what you can do and what's reasonable. Is going for a walk once a day reasonable? Can that, you know, is, to keep the undercarriage strong and so you're not falling down? These are the kinds of questions that we were asked. So number one, thank you for providing input. Number two, Please send uh, your ideas. Keep the ideas coming about what topics you're interested in because we can organize then to have uh, speakers on these various topics. So thanks for that. Back to you. And so, yeah, we've got a great guest with us, uh, Justin Slim. Uh, he is with Eon Future Health, certified in fitness and nutrition consultant. Uh, Justin, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me both. I'm, I'm really grateful for this opportunity to kind of spread some knowledge and, and answer some questions that people might have. So let's just kick it off with how nutrition changes as we age. So let's look at how do, how should we look at nutrition as we're aging? Now, Dave is way, way, way older than I am. So this is more relevant to him than me. But just kind of give us some input on how, how does it how, do, how should we look at nutrition as we age? Absolutely. That, that's a great question. And as we age right? We have to understand that our body changes. Your, your body changes as you go through your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Maybe some of your clients are experiencing that right now. For example, bone density and size may go down. That may end up weakening them. Um, maybe some muscle loss. It's a condition known as sarcopenia, which essentially starting in our 30s for some people, the uh, rate at which we can grow muscle starts to decrease. That's what sarcopenia is. But that doesn't mean that we're just, we're going downhill. Like we've heard the phrase that we are going downhill. And the common misconceptions are is once you hit 40, you're kind of over the hill and maybe just waiting to die. And I think that's such a poor misconception because to be honest with you, we should be working well into our 40s, 50s, 60s, and if we're able to, into our 70s, 80s, and 90s. I think it's really important that uh, we understand that our body is changing and we need to fuel it properly in order to get there. Now, how do we do that? Well, as your body changes, we have to think about the internal mechanism in your body as well. 
right? So your digestive tract is changing um, as you start to age as well. So eating a high fiber diet is actually really critical as we go through this um, aging process. We're all going through this aging process together. So finding foods that are going to be high fiber is number one. Number two, I would look at the amount of processing that goes into the food that you're eating. Um, when you look at nutrient-dense whole foods, those are your fruits, veggies, nuts, seeds, animal protein, you know, tofu, if you're a vegetarian or vegan, all of that stuff is great for the body. Um, however, when we look at the processed foods, if we're looking at how much processed food we're actually getting on a daily basis, that's number one, is I would start to minimize that as much as possible. And that doesn't mean you need to eliminate it, right? We talked about it at the beginning with the seafood diet. I'm not saying don't have the fun stuff but look at it as almost like an 80-20 or a 90-10 kind of split. So 90% of the time you're trying to eat nutrient-dense whole foods and then 10% of the time look at things that are going to be fun and are going to, you know, date night with the, your partner or your grandkids or anything like that. I think it's important to have the ice cream in the summer every now and again, uh, but the majority of the time we're looking for fruits, veggies, nuts, seeds, um, animal and vegan proteins are really, really crucial as we age. We have a chat function for all of you attendees to type in your questions. You can definitely raise your hand on there. And if I can see it, I will call you to ask your question live. Justin is here to answer uh, as many questions as we can We can uh, send his way. Um, when we talk about some of the things when it comes to nutrition, we hear about fad diets and so mm -hmm. forth, keto, um, beach body, mm -hmm. yep. Atkins, so on and so forth. What are your thoughts about that, especially as we're aging? Give us your ideas, and if there's a if there's a special one that we should be focusing on. My doctor says the Mediterranean diet all the mm. time to me. Just keeps on saying the same thing over and over again, so I'm looking for a new doctor that will give me a different <laughs> prescription. Uh, so maybe you can help me out with that one. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think it's important to pull back a little bit and maybe talk about the science as to how our bodies operate. So if your goal is weight loss, let's just use that as a goal right now. So we have to understand that the mechanism to lose weight, the first law of thermodynamics, is we need to be in a calorie deficit. So what these diets, these fad diets all share in common is that you will be in a calorie deficit. That means you are going to consume fewer calories than you put out during the day. Well, how do you know how many calories you should be eating and what is a calorie? Well, a calorie is a unit of measurement and your body will pull energy from the foods that it eats, whether it is highly processed foods or whether it's more nutritious foods that we spoke about earlier with the nuts and seeds and all of that stuff, animal protein, there's less nutritious and there's more nutritious. But at the end of the day, your body will pull energy from it. And we know from the processed foods, you may end up getting more calories uh, from those foods. So that's why we want to move towards the more nutrient dense is because you can actually eat more without actually consuming more calories. Okay. So essentially what happens is, is, is as we age, your body has something called its basal metabolic rate. And I'm not going to get too much into the science here, but that is the number of calories basically to sustain human life for you to get up and your organs to function, for you to move around. If you weren't doing any exercise, any movement throughout the day, those are the total number of calories that your body would need to basically function, right? You add in exercise to that, that number goes up a little bit more. You add in your digestion from eating the food, that number goes up a little bit more. So 
every person is a little bit different. And I think it's important to really emphasize that there is no one size fits all approach. So when we go back to the diets and think about, okay, the keto or the Atkins or Mediterranean or anything like that, the mechanism does not change that you do have to be in a caloric deficit in order to lose that weight. So there are a number of factors that will change your basal metabolic rate. That could be, you know, chronic health conditions. That could be the amount of stress that you have. That could be amount of lack of sleep that you're getting. But again, it's all about that calorie deficit at the end of the day. So I think that's important to really look at. And I think it's important to really talk about those fad diets and say, hey, just because my friend Jane did it doesn't mean that it's going to work for you. So just that's why they become fads is because they work really well for one person and you see these great success. But my approach is we want to maybe find your own approach and tailor to it. If you want to start on keto or Atkins and it's not sustainable for you, this is, this is the cool part. You have the freedom to change and you have the freedom to try something else. And I think that's really important for people to remember as they go through these quote unquote fad diets is try what works for you. And if it doesn't work, scrap it and move on to a more uh, simplistic approach. This kind of topic came up at a family get together that we that I had. And um, at the table, there was, I, I would say 50-50 split men and women. Um, and the women in my family were saying, it's a hell of a lot harder to lose weight when you're older than, than it is for men. We see it in different parts of our body. I mm. see it everywhere on me. So give me some guidance here. Is it harder for one gender over the other? And what should each gender do as they're aging? Uh, because they go through different changes uh, within their bodies as they age. What should they What should they be looking out for? And how, do, how, does, uh, how does one actually have to maximize or make you maximize their, their energy, their, 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 their fitness level and their nutrition given their gender and, and as they're aging? I think that's a really good question. And, and uh, obviously I'm speaking from the perspective of a man and uh, you know, all due respect to the women out there, the childbearing uh, bearing women, because your bodies are going to change a heck of a lot more than the men's bodies will for sure. So I will say that, but, but when it comes down to it, Human physiology is human physiology. Again, it goes back to that mechanism. It does not change. You do need to be a, in a caloric deficit in order to lose that weight. Now, going back to, you know, the hormones will play a factor. And postmenopausal women, they may find that it's a struggle to get the amount of calories in throughout the day. So I will say that, yes, it could, uh, there could be a factor between men and women, but it's about finding your baseline, maybe getting some possible blood work to see what conditions you have that are affecting you. Now, I'm not saying, that um, hormones cause weight gain. That's not what I'm saying at all, but it's important to know that they could be a contributing factor for some people. So it's really important to just get a baseline test, right? If that means a little bit of blood work to, to see what those levels are, then you can make an educated guess moving forward. Because oftentimes what I see a lot of people get stuck in is this principle that, oh, I'm old, I'm a man, this is just going to happen. And they just kind of write it off and just this is this is my life because this is just how it is. But I think that once you get more educated about what your body is capable of, especially as you age, because you're not just going downhill past 40, 50, and 60. You have the capability to be stronger, be faster, be fitter, have more cardiovascular strength, sleep better, have better sex. All of that is possible as you age, and it's about being educated first. So educate yourself and really find what's going to work for your body. Justin, I've got a question and the truths and myths around this, but we um, I've often heard throughout um, over the years, I guess, the 
it's not just about the freak, the amount you eat because you can eat too little, uh, and that can create different problems. So, you know, you're talking about a caloric deficit. Um, I get, I get that. I understand the math on that. But is there some science to the frequency with which you should be eating and the amount at one sitting? Anything around that? I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that if you are someone who doesn't enjoy eating breakfast, or you've got a busy work schedule, or perhaps you just don't feel like eating breakfast, you shouldn't have to force yourself to eat breakfast, right? We're often told that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Having said that, if you are someone who maybe lives a high stress lifestyle or somebody who you know doesn't know what their work schedule looks, out, uh, looks like during the day and maybe you won't have time to eat lunch later in the day, a breakfast might be a good idea for you. So there's not a ton of um, um, support to say that you know timing throughout the day is super important. As long as you meet your proper macronutrients throughout the day, I think you're going to be in a successful position. Now, there is some science around inter intermittent fasting. We've heard that before um, and the benefits and, and kind of that kind of thing. So I will say that intermittent fasting only works with your lifestyle. So it's really important to say, to, to not force a square peg in a round hole. So if you are someone who doesn't get the benefits from intermittent fasting, don't fast. I think that that's really important to do. If you're someone that enjoys breakfast because you get to sit down with the kids or the grandkids, have breakfast, right? So I think it's important to say that instead of setting hard rules around what you should eat and when you should eat it, just try to get your total macro and micronutrient goals throughout the day and you'll be set up for success. Justin, maybe you can kind of go into detail what you mean by macro and micronutrients so that mm. uh, the audience can have a better understanding of that. Yeah, so food is broken down into macro and micronutrients. Okay, so a big picture, you have three macronutrients. We know those are the big ones, right? So you've got proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. Okay, so taking away fats and carbohydrates right now, let's talk a little bit about protein. If you get one macronutrient right, it is your protein intake. And I think a lot of people that I work with, they find that their protein, when I tell them, okay, you should be eating this much amount of protein throughout the day, they, they, they're like, that is so much. That is a lot of, pro like, how am I going to get that much protein in throughout the day? And once you start to educate yourself about, okay, well, let's focus on having protein first thing in the morning. Um, protein is the one that is basically number one going to build your muscle for you. It's going to repair muscle tissue for you. It is actually going to make you feel fuller longer. Again, going back to the science, it's because it's got a higher thermic effect, right? So basically what happens is, is your body is going to use that energy more sustained, uh, um, more throughout the day, a longer duration than say your, your carbohydrates or your fats. Okay. So protein is the number one that you want to hit. Carbs and fats, those are energy sources. That's where your body draws energy from. It could be a carbohydrate or it could be a fat. Now, the thing is, is people, carbohydrates have been demonized as of late. If you look at like the keto, uh, keto diet or even the Atkins diet, carbohydrates are labeled quote unquote bad. And I really want to get people away from that idea that carbohydrates are bad for you. It is the overconsumption of calories that causes you to gain weight. It is not the amount of carbs that you eat. Having said that, eating too many carbs will increase your calories, right? So it's it's taking that with a grain of salt. It, but you could eat too much fat and same thing, too much protein, same thing, right? So uh, carbohydrate is an energy source. This is what fills your muscles with what we call glycogen. 
And this is what's going to sustain you through a busy work day when you're using your brain or a busy, a hard workout when you have to lift some heavy weights. That's how your, your muscles get that energy from. Now, that is your quick burning energy is the carbohydrate. So your muscles will use that a lot more readily than your fats. Okay, so fats are also an energy source. And those are the ones that you start to use when you're going on a long run or a long hike, then it'll start to switch over to this different energy system where it uses fats um, uh, to, to, to burn, essentially, for lack of a better term. Now, when we move into the micronutrients, those are the small little players. Those are the ones that you're getting from your fruits and vegetables. Those are things like your iron and your calcium and, and you know, really important things that you're getting for bone density health and for you know gut health and all of that stuff that is really important so you want to have a good balance of of looking at your macronutrients and your micronutrients as well some people do need supplementation as they age into their uh micronutrients and we can talk about that a little bit later if you'd like to as well well i was going to jump on that one right away because i don't know if i've just been sucked in on the marketing or not but uh, Justin, I do take supplements. Like I take a multivitamin, then I take mm. omega threes, and I'm mm. I take some fiber, you know, psyllium husk, and those kinds of things um, to supplement my diet. Now, is first of all, is there anything wrong with doing that? Like, does that create any imbalances or potential problems? I would say there's absolutely nothing wrong. And those supplements that you listed right there are generally safe for a majority of the people. Obviously, talk to your doctor first about any supplementation that you do want to take. But I feel that there are for a majority of people, safe supplements to take on a daily basis. And these ones can go without doctor, uh, doctor recommendation, but obviously, you know, get that, that medical advice. But number one would be um, uh, the vitamin D, right? Especially in the winter months uh, here in Calgary. Uh, if a majority of the people are watching from Calgary, we know that, you know, as the uh, we get into the winter months, it's just hard to get outside. So supplementing vitamin D. Now, having said that, getting outdoors as much as you can between the hours of 10 and 2 p.m., expose as much bare skin as possible, you are also going to get some vitamin D doing it that way. But in the winter months, you may want to consider supplementation. Number two is vitamin D. Or uh, sorry, um, uh, the fish oil. The the uh, you want to make omega. sure that you're getting omega threes. Yeah, you want to make sure that you're getting that is in as well. And that's generally safe for a majority of people. Helps with your brain health, right? So really important that you you get that um, fish oil in. And if you're vegetarian or vegan, there are some uh, some options that you can take. I believe it's um, uh, kelp that it that is the the option for omega threes. Um, and then another one that you can take is vitamin D, vitamin or omegas, protein supplement. A lot of people find that they're not getting enough protein in throughout the day. It's not mandatory. You could get it from a majority of food, but you know, chewing down steaks and chicken breast and all that it is hard for a lot of people to get that amount of protein in. So if they find that they're benefiting from a protein supplement, that they can do that as well. And there's actually a lot of science right now around creatine monohydrate. Now, this you may have heard um, in the in the, like the weightlifting community, but basically this can also help with your cognitive health as well. So I believe that creatine monohydrate is a great supplement for a lot of people to get. Um, and then a good multi, you mentioned as well, a good multivitamin as well is uh, a really amazing one to do. I would look for a, a good, well-sourced multivitamin, right? Maybe uh, just make sure that you know, it's one that you trust. It's a brand that you trust. So those yeah. are the supplements that I would say, and that there's no harm in taking those supplements on a daily basis. You know, we talk about retirement as a journey, not a destination all the time. Absolutely. And sometimes that journey means 
you get bored, <laughs> right? And you go into unretirement. Yeah. We, we've said so many times, Dave, that people know what they're retiring from, but many people don't know what they're retiring to. Right. Or there's circumstances that perhaps you force you into retirement before you were ready. Right? Yeah. Which, retirement chooses you before you choose you retirement. You choose it. Right. Yeah. And so there's, there's a number of circumstances under which um, I think people perhaps aren't as well prepared and their expectations are something other than what that retirement experience uh, is for them early on, right? And what do you do about that? That's right. Well, we've got a terrific guest to help us understand that because uh, I think he has gone through the full cycle of the journey. And the journey still continues. Don't get me wrong. It's not done. Um, but it, is, it has been a heck of a journey. We want to hear this story. George Jurian is, uh, is a mindset mentor and a transition coach. He's also a writer and a speaker. Um, George, I want to welcome you to the show. Uh, first of all, thanks for taking some time to join us. I'm delighted to be on your show. Thanks, David. Well, um, maybe you can give us a little sense of uh, the journey. We, we saw a terrific article that came out about this notion of unretiring for you. And I, I think you fell into that camp of, um, through circumstance, perhaps retiring maybe before you were ready to do that. And it what didn't quite live up to what you thought that retirement experience was to be. And it took a turn, right? That journey took a turn for you. Maybe just give us the background. Okay. Um, I, I was at the age of 52. It was 2007. I was hit with a perfect storm of three unrelated events. Uh, we were moving house. My wife's father had a stroke and passed away. And I was diagnosed with a bone tumor and given six months to live. Well, that's a whole new life. Um, you know, it's... Um, that's what led me into retirement. I was fortunate that the um, my diagnosis uh, was, I mean, it was correct, but I belonged to the 2% club. Uh, the oncologist said in 98% of cases, um, you've got six months to live. Thankfully, mine was benign but aggressive, which they had to remove. So I belonged to the 2% club. So in essence, I'm living on bonus time. That's the picture. Now that led me to the, you know, to, to when you're faced with death, suddenly everything shifts. And for me, that was the benefit. Um, you know, it was a gift in disguise because what it does is it wakes you up to the reality of life, uh, which we don't really appreciate because death isn't something that we like to keep on side. We like to keep it far away. We don't like seeing dead people. We, you know, uh, we just, our society doesn't cater for that. And therefore, we're not really living life to the full. So I went into retirement, and I can tell you, retirement is no country for old people. It is not. Um, and and we, we have no idea what we're going into. Nobody prepares us. The nearest preparation we have is get your pension sorted. Invest, you know, make sure your investment... That is not retirement planning. That's just the sideshow. Retirement planning is not an easy thing to do because it means we need to, as Socrates said, examine our lives. And who does that? We're on automatic pilot. And what retirement does in a way that I would suggest the people to do is it makes us stop and think. What is it we really want in life? It's almost like um, uh, death giving you a knock on the door saying, last chance, 
to make your dreams come true, whatever that is. Right? You don't want to end up on your deathbed as Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross did when she was interviewing hundreds of people on their deathbeds and saying, these people were very angry because they hadn't lived their lives. So when you start looking at, uh, at retirement from those lenses, everything shifts. Now you're living life with maximum impact, with joy. The money becomes secondary, important as money is. You reference in the article um, a Japanese concept that I think uh, allowed you to bring some framework to, to what you're laying out and some key questions I think that people should be asking themselves in order to do that examination and give them some direction. I'd love for you to share that insight with us. If we're going to just take a step back very quickly, when you go into retirement, people don't realize that we lose our identity. Who we were is no longer who we are. When your identity goes, the next thing that goes is self-esteem. When self-esteem goes, shame enters through the back door. Now, you don't really want to go out. So you start isolating. You start being picky. And it's a downward hill. And you get to a point where there's no coming back. Cognitive abilities disappear. So what's the antidote? The antidote is to have a purpose in your life. What is your life about? You know, you know this is like almost having a legacy created. And Ikigai, the Japanese concept, does exactly that. You know, it's do, you know what, is it, what is it you love to do? What is it you're good at? What is it that people are prepared to pay for um, what you do? These are the questions that we need to ask. So what I would say is think very carefully about these questions because they will point you in the right direction. Now, a lot of people get concerned uh, about, well, I don't know what I really want to do. So I would say to you, ask the following question. What is it? that you're really afraid of. Because what you want is just beyond that. And it was Joseph Campbell, the American mythologist, um, who wrote The Hero's Journey. He did that research on the hero's journey in different cultures. And what came out of that is phenomenal because what he discovered, and I'm trying to think of the saying that he said was, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. So what is it you're afraid of? Don't brush it under the carpet because the signals for you, for what you're gonna do going down is in that cave beyond your fear. George, you've had a heck of a journey um, and there's certainly been some bumps along the way and I think that'll be true of most people. It's not smooth sailing for anybody. I think your perfect storm was probably pretty dramatic relative to most. Tell me the one or the two things that you would uh, you would say to our listeners and our viewers today that are thinking about this retirement in order to properly prepare. I would say be very careful about drifting. You don't have all the time you think you have. Um, if you're retiring soon, make a bucket list. Do all the stuff you've wanted to do. Do it now because tomorrow is not guaranteed for you. Although that said, you've got to keep that paradox in your head. You and I could be living another 30 years. So recognize that you can snuff it in a nanosecond or you could live long. 
So what do you do? Go out and do all the stuff you wanted to do. Get it out of your system. And in the process, think about what is it that I want to do for the rest of my life. So take that gap year. Do all the stuff you wanted to do. And that may open up avenues for you to find what it is that you're afraid of, but you'd love to do. And then pursue it like a dog with a bone. That's my advice. George, that's a terrific place to stop. Thank you very much. Uh, I think that's wonderful advice. Um, congratulations on your journey and all you've learned. And thank you for sharing it. The article was great. Um, and anybody that wants to get a hold of that article can simply reach out to us and we'll be happy to provide that uh, as a framework. Um, is there any, uh, any literature, any books that you want to, uh, to direct people to before we let you go? I would say just go to my website, georgegeorgian.com. And have a look at my last book, Dare to Discover Your Purpose. That's the one you should get. If you're really intrigued about what I do, look at Spirit of Gratitude, which is my journey. Wonderful. George, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate your time. My pleasure. What if you don't want volatility? I don't want to experience this anymore, Faisal. I just want to uh, secure my lifestyle. What? Because we're having conversations. It's scaring people right this now. This is the interesting time in the markets with this kind of volatility uh, when it goes so fast. Like if you look at the times in June and you look at what happened in that month, yeah. it shocked a whole lot of people going, oh my God, my portfolio is down whatever mm -hmm. percent. And in that time, many Canadians have packed it in. Mm -hmm. They've said, I can't do this anymore. Yep. I can't stomach it. I can't, I can't wait for a recovery. <clears throat> and so they've capitulated. Mm -hmm. They sold out, they've gone to cash. But you know what they're still worried about? Is can they retire still? Well, they have a lifestyle of support, right? Yeah. That's what they're thinking about. So the question that comes out usually is, okay, I can't handle the markets, so I wanna walk away from that. Right. Now that I've walked away from that, how am I gonna live the lifestyle I want? Yeah, so there's a good news and bad news piece to this story with interest rates rising. Right? Yeah. So if I go to cash, people are saying, I'll just I'll go to cash, I'll buy GICs. I'll use that as an example. Yep, guaranteed okay. investment certificates, that's right. And GIC rates have gone up from where they were a year ago. Yeah. So let's talk about that, right? Um, can I live my lifestyle? Well, the first thing you need to do is figure out what your lifestyle is going to cost. So can I, can I get put a picture of that sure. together? Let's say you have a million dollars to invest. The markets have taken you down to your million dollars of savings yep. and you've cashed out. So you have a million dollars in your investments. RSPs, TFSAs, a mixture of everything. Mm -hmm. When you started your retirement planning, you're looking at around $60,000. That's the average spend per couple in Canada. Yep. That's where I got that number from. Yep. So you saved a million bucks. You need $60,000 a year to live. You can't handle the markets. You're looking at GICs. GICs, and I'll make up a number, is offering 4%. It'd be pretty close, right? So you, you need 60000 but guaranteed investment certificates are offering you 4% on your million or 40000 before tax. Mm -hmm. What happens? Well, let's assume that, um, well, what happens? You live on less. You don't have a choice. Well, there's two answers to that. One is you do live on less. Yep. You live on that 40000 and then you won't touch your principal. The second Potentially, yeah. is erode your principal. Right. The problem with this case of $40,000 or 4% GICs, or I'm not going to go into 
the market, the bond market, the stock market, I'm going to stay away from the market, whatever that market is, is you've now locked in a, an, an investment portfolio that doesn't have the capability to beat inflation. That's the first thing. The second thing is, you've now said you're going to live off of less using our example of 60,000. Right, because eroding, I mean, you can erode capital. Yeah, that, that's a tricky one, though. It's, right? a, it's, it's a slippery million slope. There's, there's less interest on less principal that's right. going forward, right? So it's a... So you run out of money you sooner. Run out of money, yeah. Or you just stick to the guaranteed interest of 4% and you live on 40,000 per year, not 60,000 per year. So the question is, how do I cut expenses? Can you do it? Now, I'm yep. not trying to say I'm promoting everybody to take on risk and go in the market, right. either bond market or stock market. But what I am saying is, when you make that decision, and it's usually an emotive decision, I'm out. Yep. I don't want to be in the market. What the consequence of that decision is you're going to accept less. Are you prepared to accept less? Right. And if you are? Done. You can do it. But that, that's, it's, it's that issue. This came up, you know, it was interesting. We were, we, we were having um, uh, a conversation, and it was part of the, the, sort of the investment management committee conversation. One of the members of this committee really went off on this idea. Yeah. Right? And uh, so the idea is, the, the concept was, if you're not prepared to take risk, you, you can find risk-free assets, and you just have to match your lifestyle cost to that number and hope that you don't get unexpected surprises that force you to deplete that principle over time because you're going to run into the same problem. So what, what one of these chief investment officers we were talking to said, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. Right. However, whatever served to you on your plate, don't complain about it. Right. Because it is what it is. Right. Unless you go in the kitchen and accept the heat that you're getting. Right. So if you can't take the volatility, accept <clears throat> what is there. Right. And live off of what it is. So going back to our example, not 60,000, but live on 40,000, it is what it is. It is what it is. And just be at peace with that. Right. Because that's going to be the biggest nemesis to your retirement right. is when you start fighting, I want $60,000 lifestyle, but I can only get 40,000. Yeah. And you're going you're gonna to be very upset. It's going to be a very unhappy retirement. Right. The other concept that we talked a little bit about was this notion of, of uh, matching uh, timelines to strategy. So part of the conversation was, um, if you have long-term money in the market for in invested markets on a balanced basis, whatever it is, uh, for this long-term retirement, okay, then part of the game in when you're invested in any market other than guaranteed in investment certificate is volatility. It's called a systemic risk. It's there. Yeah. Markets go up at periods. They go down at periods. They move around. These, it just happens. It is what it is, to use the language that we just talked about in the GIC market. Correct. Okay. Um, if people are trying to do that market timing decision, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not I'm done with the market and I'm <laughs> locking into GICs and I'm going to accept whatever it is. Yeah. It's I'm going to try to I'm going to try to uh, to time this, right? That becomes even more problematic. Yeah. You you know, and this is we talk about structure and discipline all the time, and I want to go back to this, and and maybe we're beating a dead horse here, but people need to know it in markets like this. Long term money should stay invested for the long term. Period, full stop, end of discussion. So think about a retirement that's 20, 30 years long. Yep. 
So you have a certain amount of money you need for 30 years, 29 years, 28 years, 27. You kind of get the drift. You're going all the way yeah. down. And then you've got your short-term money, one year, two year, three year, four, five, whatever. Your short-term money cannot handle long-term volatility or market risk Correct. that you need for long-term. Your long-term money should not be invested as if you need the money today. Right. So this is why we invented this whole concept of the four buckets. Right. And these four buckets, two of them, one is income, one is growth. Let your growth handle for your long-term, let your income handle for your shorter term. Mm -hmm. And protect yourself from these major risks that are out there, which is volatility. Right. But the market timing game is a challenging game. People are gonna try it again, they inevitably do it, and Faisal, maybe you know something. I don't know anybody that wins that game. We've never. Maybe there are people. I don't know. I would love to interview the person who can time the market, bang on. Right. Because we you found one, well, and we've haven't. been searching. Yeah, yeah. And and listen, if if, if you're that person, good on you. Um, but there's two. The pr the problem with the decision is there's there's two very very accurate decisions you have to make in order to get that right. Correct. You have to first of all exit at the right time. And then you secondly have to enter at the right time. And the problem is, is both of those decisions tend to be the opposite of what people emotionally feel. You should be exiting when you're the happiest. You should be entering when you're the most fearful. That's the problem. That is so difficult for people to do, right? Which is why most can't do it. Yeah. So maybe there's enough said about that. Um, but there are always options, and I think that's the point of the take of the, this discussion. Take it right. away. There's always options, but you have to be prepared to live with the reality of what that decision you make is going to produce. Correct. Fair? And that's why we have these types of seminars to talk about what are the options in front of you yeah. and how do you bulletproof your retirement. We're going to talk about that on Tuesday, July 19th, 7 p.m., live <laughs> online. Now, you need to register for this, so go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. You know, you can access any of these segments that we do on our um, on morethanmoneyradio.com, right? And then through our podcast, you can sign up for that. So please feel free to do that. Check our archives. There's lots of great content there. But I want to thank you for joining us today. So on behalf of myself, uh, Dave and Faisal, uh, thanks for tuning in. We look forward to chatting with you next week. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.